It's the 10th of September 2013 and this is iDeveloper Podcast episode 92. my own here today because well i didn't give john enough notice to be here quite bluntly but uh he couldn't make it but i do have two wonderful guests with me so from the omni group mr ken case hello and from the men- men- mental mental faculty i can't even say it today mr drew mccormack how are you going now this is going to be the first of um a range of shows i'm going to do where we're going to have uh, a number of people on of um let's just say opposing views and uh, let them slog it out uh, online and have a discussion in, in the friendly iOS, Mac OS ten sort of community way that we love to. Um, so these guys are going to be really nice to each other or if we're really lucky, they'll get really horrible with each other, whichever way you prefer it. So <laughs> what we're going to talk about is upgrade pricing on the Mac App Store or the iOS App Store, doesn't really matter which uh, the sort of theory is the same, I guess. Um, and we're picking on this one now um, for two reasons, in, in my opinion, anyway. The first one being that uh, recently with the, the release of um, Logic Pro 10, um, Apple made, a, I think, a fairly big statement about their intention about upgrade pricing when they just released it at the same price that Logic Pro 9 had been on the store the previous day. Um, so they didn't implement anything for their own app and equally because um, the Omni Group have uh, just been through what I'm imagining is a painful experience um, and Ken, why don't you tell us about that one? Oh sure, well uh, let's see, I guess last week we introduced uh, a tool we call Omni Keymaster which was uh, intended to let people register their App Store apps and uh, get a discount from our online store if they wanted to upgrade to the next major version. Uh, and I wouldn't say that the, uh, the issue there was necessarily about uh, upgrade pricing specifically, but what, what I did learn is that uh, Apple doesn't, um, that the App Store does not allow any sort of distribution of updates to, uh, to products that take you out of the App Store, which of course I knew, which is why we hold software update from our apps in the first place. But I didn't realize that it applied to uh, subsequent SKUs as well. So it's not just the original purchased app, but any future purchased apps as well, it sounds like. That is now my current understanding, which <laughs> we say is the problem. So uh, that means that we're not able to uh, offer our customers upgrade pricing uh, who have purchased through the App Store, which is also sort of not news. It's something I noted in our in my blog post when we first joined the App Store uh, you know, several years ago, but um, but it's still something that I know a lot of our customers wish they had. So you had obviously gone to this effort of trying to make a way for your App Store customers to be able to upgrade at an upgrade pricing um, price because you feel that's important to your business model and important to the way that you, you sell software. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, as we're talking, we might as well get you to start. Uh, why don't you tell us why you think upgrade pricing is really important to software vendors? So, uh, let's see, to software vendors or to customers? I mean, they're sort of... Whichever, whoever. They all are, to the world at large. <laughs> interesting, that's right. So the, uh, the software vendor question, I guess, is uh, what is the right price for your software? How do you pick the right price for your software? And I think the answer to that question is actually different um, for the initial purchase of a productivity app than it is for a subsequent purchase of, of a productivity app. Uh, now, let me back up and say I don't, I don't actually think the answer is different for a whole lot of other content that's on the App Store. So I understand why you know, this might not be Apple's top priority. For example, if I'm purchasing a TV show, I certainly don't uh, expect to get the next TV show for free. Or if I am uh, purchasing a book or any other sort of disposable content, including a video game, uh, you know, that sort of content I expect, the first episode actually is more likely to draw me in and want going to make me want to buy the next thing. So people, you know, you'll see people in those markets offer their initial content for free and then start charging for the later content, right? Um, so you'll see the, uh, the first levels of a game be free or you'll see the first episode of a TV show be free or you'll see the iTunes uh, song of the week or 
and so on, a television show with a person. Um, but productivity tools, I think, are a different market because what, the justification is different. I'm not in there to consume some content and then go on to the next content and be entertained uh, by or, or enjoy uh, or appreciate additional content that's added. I'm buying a tool that makes me more productive in, in the creation of my content. And so I'm, you know, when I'm making a decision to buy a productivity tool, uh, like, let's say I'm going to purchase Modo or Mathematica, you know, I'm looking at it because I want to buy something that uh, will make me more productive and able to do things I wasn't able to do before. And when I buy the first version of that tool, uh, you know, I'm, I'm making a decision about, well, I, I don't have the tool at all. It can help me do all these things that I couldn't do before. Uh, but when I go to, I see the next version, <clears throat> in a way that tool is now competing with itself because let's say I already have Moto uh, 6 and I'm looking to upgrade to Moto 7. Well, I may not want to pay another, uh, you know, $1,200 for it. I would much rather, um, but I might be very interested in buying it if it's uh, only, you know, four or $500 because the, uh, what I'm interested in paying for is the difference in value from the old version to the new version for this tool. I'm not just looking to get, you know, the next levels of the game or, um, or the next TV episode or whatever. Uh, so that's that's sort of our perspective on why uh, upgraded pricing is important. It, without upgrade pricing, you're forced to sort of pick one price that fits all of the customers, whether they're upgrading or they're not upgrading. You know, we, obviously we've seen Apple do this, where they drop their prices from a thousand dollars down to two hundred dollars, and that may work just fine for Apple because that increases the value of their platform. You know, they have all sorts of customers now who can buy a thousand dollar software for two hundred dollars software, and it's easier to sell. A Mac or an iPad on that basis, but uh, but we make all of our money from software, not from the platform. Uh, and so, for us, it's really important to be able to offer software to new customers at the value that they're willing to pay, and then to offer some, uh, some upgrades to other customers at the value they're willing to pay. Okay, so thank you for that. Now, before we dig into the nitty gritty and sort of deal with, um, you know objections or support or whatever we're just going to give drew an opening statement now drew i'm not going to say you're against against upgrade pricing because i don't think that's fair but you, you've basically been quite vocal in saying that you know you know we need to shut up and get on with it this is the way we're going now it's just about one price and 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 keep buying um yeah now you may want to say that more eloquently and give us reasons <laughs> behind that now <laughs> Yeah, well i mean that's that's true we've had the app, mac app store now for three years and uh you know it's it's not a new thing really and we've still got this same argument. I, I've, I actually found a blog post from last year, early last year, that I, I did on exactly this topic. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think it's, I think it's, almost, it's, it's time to move on probably. Um, in terms of my main argument, I, I would say I'm, I kind of support Apple in this and I'm probably the only developer in the world that does. But um, I, I, for me, it all comes down to simplicity for the, for the user. Uh, for the customer. So Apple have over the years, over the, say the last 10, 12 years, have, have cultivated a system which people trust. And it's a very simple system. And that is you, you give them the credit card, your credit card, which it, most people have already done. And then you can click on any, any, anything you want to buy and it will download it and install. And then it's yours forever, right? This is, a, this is an important part of it, that people... Don't expect their music to disappear or stop playing after a year. Even if you've got iTunes Match, I believe um, that any music that you've got through that will keep working. So I think the fact that things keep working, that's a central principle for Apple's system. And, it, and it's clear that it's been very successful, right? I mean, the, the app stores have been really, really successful. And I think Apple want to have the same system in the Mac App Store. And if the Mac app, if it's successful in the Mac App Store, that helps all of us as developers, not just not just Apple. That helps uh, everyone really, because every customers will go to the Mac App Store and trust that they can buy things, trust that it will work, and trust that they will own the the product the next day. And so I think what Apple have been trying to do is make it make buying a, an app or buying a piece of music or buying a movie exactly the same as buying a pair of jeans. It's exactly the same experience. 
and people understand this. They don't. They don't actually. Most people don't understand upgrade pricing. This is something that the tech savvy people understand. That that we as developers understand because we've been around for a while. But I think the average consumer that's coming up now, um, you know, discovering the Mac App Store for the first time, they don't understand upgrade pricing. They they understand buying a pair of jeans, but they don't understand upgrade pricing. So, so for me, that's the most important thing. That. If, if we are to have the Mac App Store be successful, people have to trust it. Um, and that involves basically sticking to Apple's extremely simple purchase system. Um, and, you know, if you try to imagine what the Mac App Store would be like when you offer upgrade pricing, well, it gets a lot more compl- complex. Um, so, I, yeah, that, that's, that's my main reason for, for favoring the, you know, just, just simple systems of, Exactly the same as the real world, where you know you just you just pay for something, you get it, and if something else comes along, you know if an upgrade comes along, you just pay for it again, or you get it for free. One of the two. So I mean, I'm sure you've heard that argument before, Ken. What what do you comment about that? Well, uh, so I guess there are a couple of things in there that I I would comment on. Um, when we talk about buying something and being yours forever, you know that's certainly been our policy always at the Omni Group, right? We we're building software that we want people to be able to use for uh, you know decades to come. Uh, as part of the reason that when we built you know a syncing solution, we built something that where people could host their own own syncing. Um, but right now, what happens if you if you were a customer who purchased uh, version nine of Logic Pro on the App Store? And then it was discontinued the next day. Now version 10 is the only thing you can get. Like if you go to a new Mac, you can't even install version 9 anymore. You have to make sure you're making your own copies, um, not you know iCloud copies or uh, anything else. You have to make sure you've got your own copies on a hard disk that you transfer from one machine to the next. Uh, it starts to disappear. Uh, so I feel like you know that part of the, the model is somewhat compromised in the, uh, by the system. But the bigger point, I think... Um, that was being made here was about simplicity and, and uh, you know, the simplicity of buying a pair of jeans versus uh, the complexity of upgrade pricing. I think upgrade pricing can get terribly complex and that, and that can be really frustrating, but it doesn't have to be complex. And I think it can be done in the app store in a, in a very simple way where the price that, you know, our existing customers are offered when, when they go and see, say, OmniGraffle 6 show up on the app store is simply the upgrade price. The App Store knows that they bought OmniGraffle 5. They know it knows that they're eligible for the upgrade discount. And so it could offer that, hey, you know what? Your price to upgrade to OmniGraffle 6 is $100, whereas the list price for somebody who had never bought before was still maybe $200 uh, for, you know, for the Pro Edition. Uh, and I think, so I think that simplicity can still be maintained and, uh, and kept there. Uh, I, I don't think that this is actually so new to the software world either. I, if I... Um, if I purchase, well, let's say I want to get some work done on my house, uh, I you know, want to remodel my kitchen. That doesn't mean I have to go out and buy a whole new house. I can have somebody come in and just work on the house. And I pay the difference in, in the increase in value that has now been done to my house. I don't have to go out and um, pay for the house all over again. Or let's say I actually do want a whole new house you know, with a new footprint and everything else. Um, you know, that, that former kitchen model I could probably solve with an app purchase. But... Um, but if there's a whole new architecture, you know, different performance um, with a house or a car, I can at least trade in my existing investment and transfer it to somebody else, use that as a leg up on my you know, new house. Once, when somebody buys a house, they don't typically just throw the old house away for no value whatsoever. But we don't have that option on the App Store either. There's no transferring of old licenses from one customer to another. Um, we actually, to be clear, we actually do have that, li- that model on our own store. Um, so you know, people who purchased OmniGraffle 4 from us for, can uh, go and uh, purchase a new copy of OmniGraffle 5 and sell their old OmniGraffle 4 license. Those are fully transferable. But that's not available on the App Store, and there's no upgrade discounts on the App Store. So people are kind of stuck and have lost their, their investment. So, Drew, for you, is, is it simply a case of simplicity? Or, I mean, do you agree with anything that Ken has just said? Um, well, it's, it, let me come back to this, 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 what Ken was talking about on the Mac App Store and saying it would probably not be very difficult to, for them to do and, and to make it transparent. That there's a, there are a few issues there, I see. that For a start, you're probably, they're probably going to have to publish two prices. Um, so Ken was saying they could just show you, what, you know, the price that applies to you. But, I mean, what if you're logged out or what if, um, 
you know, just for transparency, they have to show you the prices the same way they do for in-app purchase prices. So I suspect this already could lead to a little bit of confusion. You'd see, you'd see OmniFocus is $79 or whatever, and then uh, but someone else is getting it for, for 39 or something like that. So already this is a little bit of confusion. You might have situations where, for example, a friend buys the upgrade and had it already and, and they say, oh, look, I've got OmniFocus for $39 and then you go and have a look and, and sure enough, it's for you at $79. So I don't know if these are, these are things that, that, that most customers understand, the idea that you, you know, your friend bought, bought the pair of jeans for, 20, for $39 and you, you have to pay $79. So, um, and, that's, and, and, that, and this, is all, this is all sort of uh, you know, high-level things, but what have, let's, let's, let's go a bit deeper into the technical aspects. How are we going to handle, for example, um, you know, things like uh, bug fixes? For example, if, if uh, you, know, you, you, you release a version 3 and then a week later the server that, that, that version 2 uses stops working and you need to issue a quick bug fix well you 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 really at that point you're really uh screwed really you can't go back and 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 apply a bug fix to version two and there'll be people on version two that didn't want to upgrade now being forced um to to pay for it for an upgrade that they didn't actually sign up for so i think that's the sort of situation that apple really want to avoid that 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 people will be paying twice effectively for for something they perceive as being um, theirs, right? So it's like getting a pair of jeans, and then they say, "Oh no, you have to pay again for the for the leg." Or I don't know. So well, do I you, think the, do you, go on, I think the jeans are an interesting example because it it's exactly the same sort of example that I was talking about with the disposable content that I think is on the App Store, right? People don't expect to pay upgrade pricing for jeans because they don't expect jeans to last. Uh, they know that they're going to get a certain amount of use out of the jeans, and then it's gone. Same, same way as I view a video game or a TV show, or. Uh, but with uh, with software tools, it's more like buying a really high end, um, you know, drill or something. When I buy a drill, I actually expect to be able to uh, have that last for a long time, not just for a little while. And I'd like to be able to trade it in on a newer one. Um, I think that's. Pretty common model. I think Apple could easily solve that confusion question by just simply saying this is the trade-in price, or the upgrade price, or whatever you know. Label label the price that they're showing you so that you know that it's different. Right now, it's already really difficult uh, if you've purchased a piece of software to know what the list price is. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I've often gone to to look up a price of some software that I already own, and I find that in the uh, iPad world, certainly, or in the phone world, there's no way for me to even look up that price. on the Mac, at least I can go to, a, I can't look it up in the App Store, but I can look it up if I go to a web browser and go find the right page for it, unless it redirects me back over to the, to the App Store too quickly, um, which is what happens on iOS. So I think they already you know, sort of faced that question, and, and it would be nice if they solved it and said, you know, here's what somebody else would pay versus here's what your price is, you know, your price now being free after you've purchased a version of app. Uh, as for the uh, the bug fixes question, I, I think we face that issue right now, and upgrade pricing has nothing to do with it. Right now, if uh, if Apple needs to release a bug fix upgrade to Logic Pro Nine, what do they do? You know, there's just no uh, way for I, them to even distribute that update. I don't think that's that's true. At least on the iOS store, you can certainly issue bug fixes. They won't appear in the update uh, menu, but they they can be accessed through purchased or something like that. So, I uh, think you, I, you at least as I far as I. Um, Distributing uh, as far as NFT I know, you can... to OmniGraph Sketcher, which we discontinued uh, several months ago, and I, I see the saw the update briefly appear in my uh, updates list, and then when I went when I went to click on it, it said, oh, "Sorry, this isn't available in your region," and it disappeared forever. There doesn't seem to be. But did it um, appear in the uh, in the purchased list? Because there's a separate list called purchased, and as far as I knew, you couldn't you wouldn't see it in updates, but you would see it uh, in your purchased list, and then you could update. Using that, but yeah, this is why my understanding these... is that that's not not a supported feature of the App Store. But um, okay, you know, it, it may have worked in times past, and it may not work anymore. Um, they, I was told not to rely on it. Let's put it that way. Uh, we would love to be able to continue to issue updates. In fact, that's one of the reasons that this is so important to us. Is because if um, if we only distribute, say, OmniGraffle six under the same SKU then there's really no way for anybody who is still using OmniGraffle you know, 5 on an earlier version of the operating system that can't run 6 to ever get any patches for it. 
or say uh, as we release new iOS 7 apps, if people who are still on iOS 6 and they're on an iPad or even iOS 5 because they're on an iPad 1, they can't run the latest operating system. Uh, there's no way right now for us to go back and give them a new updated version that will fix some bugs. I just want to take an aside here for a moment and uh, talk about our sponsors, Invasive Code. You know that by now. They've been with us for a long time. We want to thank them. Invasive Code do iOS training. And uh, boy, these guys are busy. Their course is now iOS 7 ready. Um, and I was just looking at their website before the show. And all their courses are really booked up. So if uh, you're looking to get someone trained in iOS, you need to really start thinking. Because the next available one is on November the 8th in San Francisco. I'm not surprised these guys are popular because... You know, their training material is of great quality. You can take the iOS training as either an intensive five-day course or you can break it down to a beginner three-day course and an advanced two-day course if you prefer. Um, but, you know, you get all the training materials. They do seven hours of training a day plus lab time in the evening. Guaranteed maximum of 10 people on a course, which um, if you've listened to this podcast for any time, you know to me is really, really important. The number of people on a course really changes the way the whole course goes we've had good feedback about um what these guys do and it's just you know uh, a great way to get trained i mean you know yes you can read books and you can do other things but you know spending that five days with a trainer can be um really really beneficial so if you are looking to get somebody trained or you're looking to get yourself trained then go check them out at training.invasivecode.com is the place to go and um, if you look at uh, the website and you look at the the show notes you'll be able to get the um, coupon code which will get you $200 off as an iDeveloper listener uh, in fact the coupon code if I just look it up for you right now is iDevTV-2013 iDevTV-2013 gets you $200 off um, what are the costs of the courses? Well, it's um, $2,799 for the uh, full course, although if you book early, I think it comes down to 2299 plus you can get that discount. Um, and then the three-day and the two-day are sort of variations of that. So go check them out, training.invasivecode.com, and we want to thank them for sponsoring the show as ever. Right. Okay, um, Ken, you sort of briefly touched on this. Um, this is open for either of you to answer, but um, is in-app purchase a realistic way of handling upgrades in applications, or is it just too many complications there? I think it's useful in some circumstances. Absolutely, we, you know, we plan to offer some in-app purchases soon for uh, for new functionality in uh, some of our higher-end iPad apps, uh, and we think that's a great way uh, to deliver some orthogonal uh, or independent set of functionality like uh, for example in OmniGraffle for iPad you might want to uh, add Visio compatibility and you can buy that as an in-app purchase. You know, that, that seems like a great model. Where it falls down is if uh, your, up, your major update is all about you know, improving performance, improving the whole user experience. You don't want to sell new customers your old, slow, ugly version and then have them have to pay even more money to get the new, shiny version, right? That, you, you want to be putting your best foot forward on the app. You just also would like to charge your customers for this work, the existing customers for work that you've done that is valuable to them. So do, do you feel that maybe part of the problem here, I mean... Just that this is. Let's assume just for a moment that maybe this is the way it's going to stay forever. And you know, is it more that we have to change the way we think and actually begin to um, say, well, actually, the framework for my application, the the UI for it, the shiny, shiny, the the overall performance. That's just uh, that's just something that the user is going to buy once, and that's going to constantly be updated. And then we get into a you know more of an old fashioned you know basic pro, 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 super pro, enterprise pro type of uh, situation with in-app purchases for features as opposed to upgrades. So you, you, you buy extra features through, through in-app purchase, but the overall improvements um, of those features and your overall application, once you've got them, you just get those for free. And, that, and that's a different way of thinking software development. It, it, is that a valid approach or has that just got too many flaws in it? I, I think it's certainly valid for some app categories. Uh, I think though that it's a limited approach and it's not valid for all app categories. Let's say that I'm buying um, some software where the value to me is really 
the fixed content and the investment in that fixed content. Like, like say it's a uh, uh, some GPS software for boating or whatever, right? Something where I, I can't just go out and get good free uh, maps. I want to get these nice commercial maps. Um, so I've I bought this app um, and it comes with these nice maps or, you know, an encyclopedia set or whatever. Um, the developer, uh, I think there's some value to having the developer add, you know, improve the user experience of using those maps, of using, uh, you know, searching the encyclopedia, whatever they're going to do. And I'm willing as a customer to pay for that. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm willing to pay as much as I was willing to pay for the original maps that, you know, maybe were worth a thousand dollars to me, but they, this upgrade to the interface is maybe worth $50 or even $10 or $5. Um, I, I just don't see how there can be one size that sort of fits all for both of those situations. So Drew, I mean, you obviously you've come to terms with this um, and, and are telling us to accept it. So how have you changed your thinking in the way that you develop mental case to accommodate what's what's going on now? Or haven't you? Have you just accepted, I'm going to stick release three or four or whatever, right? And I'm just going to charge for it. Um, yeah, well, at this point, yeah, I just, I'm just going to charge for it. My, my apps admittedly aren't as expensive as the Omnigroup's apps, but um, still, I'm just, I'm, the plan is to just charge full price every few years um, for, for, for a, you know, a new, basically a new app. Uh, so Mental Case 3 will just be a new app in the App Store that can migrate from the old app. There are different models, of course. You can, uh, if you, if, if you, you can go a different way. You can just say, if, if your market's big enough, you can just say, okay, everything's, all the upgrades are going to be free. And I, I don't really see any real problem with that either. Um, I hear some people say that they need upgrade pricing to survive. You know, they need upgrade revenue. But at the same time, you see most most people releasing upgrades every, you know, three, four years. Um, so I, I find it hard to believe that, that it's really a necessary part of, of someone's business model. Um, and, and frankly, I, I just prefer the simplicity of, um, you know, either free upgrade or, um, you know, just pay again uh, if it's not too too expensive. If it, is, if it is too expensive, then maybe consider, okay, well, we'll find a, a middle ground, a bit like what Apple did, you know, lowering the price of Aperture or whatever to $80 instead of uh, $300 or whatever, and then just making the people pay full price. Uh, but, I, you know, I think that the, the, one big disagreement that, that Ken and I have is just, what and this is maybe the fundamental part of the the problem uh, is just how we perceive software. It seems like Ken perceives that it's like a you know a power drill or whatever that should last twenty years, and um, and I perceive it more like a, a pair of jeans, uh, and you know which is which is kind of disposable after three or four years or whatever. So um, that I guess is really the essence of it. Uh, I think and I think probably what Apple would like is that software becomes kind of like that pair of jeans, just like just like something you buy on the high street. You, you use it for three or four years and then you buy another one. Um, and it's it, it's simple in that sense. And uh, whereas Ken sort of wants to be like a, make a car, which you then can trade in and then you get money back. And uh, it's just a complicated system, I think, for such a, for things that aren't really that expensive. I mean, even, even OmniFocus is, it's 80 Eighty dollars or whatever, and it's it's a, it's less than a pair of jeans. So I mean, people, I think we should be training people to, yeah, just to expect exactly what Apple have been doing for ten years. Ex- expect the same experience they get from the high street. I think that just yeah, I mean, I think I mostly agree with you that that is sort of the uh, the differences. You know how we how we view software. I. Again, I do think there are app categories where the pair of jeans model is, is perfectly fine and I'm happy to pay for, uh, you know, Mass Effect and then Mass Effect 2 and then Mass Effect 3 because I enjoy, um, I've enjoyed all of those. But I don't want every software title that I invest into um, to be limited to that model, that there are, are tools out there that I do use that, uh, you know, that I've invested significant amounts of money in and that I'd rather, um, you know, when I'm buying something like Mathematica or Moto, I, I do want to be able to use it for a long time to come. So don't you think, though, Ken, that Apple have sort of answered this problem um, by effectively when they when they released um, Logic Pro 9, which was the first thing, the first uh, pro app 
uh, I think that they put onto the. Uh, oh, I might have been the final. Anyway, let's let's stick with Logic. It's the recent one. When they um, put Logic Pro Nine onto the App Store, uh, it came on for one hundred and ninety nine dollars. Um, the previous price, if you bought Logic Pro Eight, would have been four hundred ninety nine dollars. And and funnily enough, the in the in the old days, the upgrade price from eight to nine would have been the one nine nine. So effectively, Apple are now just selling all of their software upgrade pricing um, on the right. basis that every time they release a new one, you will upgrade, and if you're a new user, hey, you get an extra bonus. Yeah, absolutely. That's a. I think that's sort of what they have signaled with this latest round of updates. I don't think that they signaled that because it was a way to maximize their software revenue, though. I think they signaled that because it's. Uh, a great way for them to make more money, you know, as a platform developer. It makes their platform more develop, more valuable, which okay. is fine, you know, for them. But um, for for companies that make their livelihoods exclusively from software, I don't think that works. Okay, so uh, I mean, let's just dig into this a little bit. I mean, obviously, feel free to just say I don't want to answer that question. Um, I mean, I mean, do you? Which is the more important? Accepting that they're both important, which is the more important argument for you here? that um, upgrades are better for users or um, actually upgrades for you are an important part of a business model? The more important thing to me is whether uh, whether users' investments are protected, really. Uh, now, if you lower the, the basic price of the software, what you really do to users is you signal that the value of the entire product is less. So as we come around to the next version of the software, people think, oh, well, I now kind of expect, I thought that $199 was high. Next time around, I kind of want to pay only you know, $40 because that's my upgrade price for the $199 version of Pro Tools X. And then we can go back and we can try to educate them about, well, you know, this used to cost $1,000 and now it costs less. Um, but it's still you know, very much the reality that people are not, paying, not as well educated about this as we are. They're not paying attention to uh, this software really was and is worth it a thousand dollars to its uh, core audience so, so maybe people i mean but uh, maybe people who are selling a thousand dollar software have some different issues to deal with and maybe have to rethink think models but you know most of us as drew said you know some people will say oh omni products are expensive but in in the relative to lots of other things we buy you know they're still not expensive they're, they're, oh, yeah. they, co- they cost more than another product but they're not expensive no, so, i mean that's a, a pretty good case in point actually because our software you know if, if you look at equivalent software in in the pc world so if you were to look at visio pricing versus uh omni graffles pricing visio what sells for uh 250 pounds for standard and more like 500 450 for pro um so it's you know much more expensive than uh, than OmniGraffle is, but people still are, you know, looking at OmniGraffle as being the expensive outlier in the App Store. Now, part of that is that we've chased away all of the really expensive software from the App Store because of this modeling decision. I, I think, you know, I think we're a lot more likely to get software like uh, Moto and and uh, and Mathematica and other tools into the App Store if if it had more pricing flexibility that would let them, you know, survive. Okay, I mean, I don't want to open a whole new can of worms here, but maybe the answer for more expensive software is is more software subscription, and maybe that will come along than upgrades. But uh, that's that's that, that's a theoretical argument at the moment, so let's maybe not go there. Um, well, that's certainly what Adobe's done, although it's not allowed in the App Store. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, but maybe you know, maybe subscriptions, or you know, you were given an example of maps for a, a GPS, and but maybe you have a subscription to the maps, and they get updated. Maybe that will come. I don't know. Um, I remember speaking. Um, I can't actually remember if you were involved in the conversation, Ken, but there was a, definitely a whole bunch of your team um, <laughs> in, in the conversation at um, Singleton last year um, about the effects of the App Store um, on, on your business. And now, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to... It was a conversation that wasn't necessarily going to be revealed publicly, so I'm not going to say anything that was said other than you know, the App Store, uh, as it did for a lot of people, had a significant impact on numbers of, of, of software that you were selling. Um, and do you think actually that, you know, most of the people who have come to software now, new customers through the app store, they've never known the old way. And actually, if we can just get them to accept paying $80 every time for it, then that's actually better for all of us. Well, I guess we'll see what, what happens, right? We're about to run this experiment with our iOS 7 apps. Obviously we don't have any upgrade pricing available 
as an option even there uh, in the iOS world. So we'll see what happens as we release new versions of the software. Um, the the App Store certainly did bring in a lot of new customers for us. I, I should be I should probably note that it's not actually a majority of our customers yet. We still sell more copies directly through our own store of Mac software than we do through the App Store. But but uh, it was a nice, uh, you know, completely new set of customers. So we didn't see our sales go down. Uh, you know, they've continued to, to increase as they were before. But then we've also seen this whole new uh, stream of customers coming from the App Store. And that's been great. You know, I, I'm not trying to make this any sort of an App Store bashing thing. We, we love the App Store as an option. I still think it's the nicest and most convenient, most simple way for people to purchase our software. And that's part of the reason we make our software available there as well as through our own store. Drew, did you do you sell through the App Store and separately, or did you have you just gone wholeheartedly App Store now? Uh, I yeah, I, I sold the software before the App Store was there, and I have yeah, I've done the complete embracement of the of the the Mac App Store. So um, about a year into the Mac App Store, I think I went exclusive. Um, yeah, and it's worked for me. I mean, I, at least I, I sell a lot more than I than I did before that. So. Um, yeah, my, my one of the things I, you know, it's it's nice to have your cake and eat it as well. But uh, it would be, it, I would, I really wish that some of the bigger developers um, would embrace it more. Would would, uh, you know, step up and say, you know, this is the way forward. Um, because at the moment, it's sort of a a half half situation, and 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 uh, you know, it's not clear to consumers probably that that's where they should go for software. They they sometimes buy it on a website. Sometimes they buy it on the Mac App Store. So it's not a clear picture, and it's certainly not something that I think a lot of a lot of Mac users don't even know it's there. I think. Um, whereas if you bought all your software or most of it from the Mac App Store, then it would just be the one-stop uh, place for software, and it would help actually help the whole the whole industry. I think the whole all developers would be benefited by that. So. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a bit saddening to me when when you know like um, I, I don't know this is not the intention of Omni Group when they you know when they say um, you know you can leave the Mac App Store and we'll give you upgrade pricing. It, it's a bit sad that there is you know they're trying to lure effectively they're luring people away from the Mac App Store. Although that's not their intention, that's what's effectively happening, right? You you're saying if you leave the Mac App Store. Um, you you can have a cheaper price, so that's it's, it's kind of like punishing people for liking the Mac App Store, um, and that's that's a shame. Uh, so yeah, I, I really wish that that some of the bigger bigger developers would just uh, you know find find a new business model, find a different way to approach the same thing, and still make the same amount of money or more. I, I'm sure it's possible. It's just a question of um, rethinking things. Ken, do you want to respond to that? I was just trying to think whether whether I think it actually is possible to make you know if if you don't have the same sorts of pricing flexibility options that you do when you, you know, when you can make your own store from scratch then then you really are limited in, in your business model. There's no opportunity to do any sort of price discrimination. You can't offer educational pricing to individuals. You know on the App Store you can you can offer educational pricing, but it's only available to institutions. Uh, you can offer bundle pricing, where if you purchase more than one thing at a time, you get a discount. All, all sorts of things that you know reward customers who are you know thinking about investing in your software. Uh, that you're just you don't have that option at all through the App Store. And well, I, again, I appreciate the simplicity of the App Store, and I'm, I'm glad it's there as an option. I've, the way I view it, I guess, is the same way that we used to view retail stores, where it's a great place for people to go and find out about software and and buy it for the first time and, you know, be interacting with a trusted source that uh, they don't have to worry about malware or, you know, somebody just being a bad place to give their credit card to or, uh, and so on. But I don't think that, uh, that it's ever going to offer the same sorts of, well, you know, clearly it's not going to offer the same sorts of flexibility that you can do with a private transaction. Uh, site licensing is another example where, uh, you know, that, a number of big companies, if they're going to buy a thousand seats of software, really expect to get some sort of a volume discount. Uh, and there's a volume purchase program, but there's not a volume discount program in the App Store. Interesting. Um, Drew, okay, so I, I feel like I've sounded like I've been having a go at Ken, and I, that's not my intention at all, so I'm going to have a go at you now, Drew. Um, yeah, how, how do you answer the argument that the current App Store setup 
encourages throwaway apps because it's possibly more profitable for a developer to to start a new app than it is to upgrade an existing one um yeah well i mean is that, is that actually true uh <laughs> Is it really easier to write a completely new app than just upgrade an existing one? Uh, I don't, I don't really see that. And I also, you know, this whole, this whole, this whole perception that, um, you know, if you can't charge for an upgrade or, or, or if you have to charge full price, um, that somehow an upgrade is not going to lead to any sort of spike in sales or something. Of course it does. It leads to a huge spike in sales. You'll be featured by Apple, uh, particularly a, a great app like OmniFocus. You know, I mean, there's, there, 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 you get a huge spike whether or not you've got upgrade pricing. So that's that's in my in my view not really much of an argument. So, I, you know, I'm not giving up my app. You know, I'm not going to give up my mental case app to go and write something else because it still makes a lot of money. And I know that when I make an upgrade, I'll I'll get a nice spike in sales, um, and I won't have to work nearly as hard on an upgrade as I will if I write a completely new app. So. Yeah, I, I just don't buy that argument. Um, yeah, it's it's the other thing is I wanted to come back a little to um, to what what Ken was saying. Uh, let me just think. Oh, I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> Have you got another question, Scotty? Because I think I've lost my train of thought. Okay, I? that's that's fine. Yeah, um, I'm sort of thinking. What about just so people know as we're recording this, we're about 15 minutes away from the next Apple event, so we will be wrapping up fairly <laughs> hard. I can guarantee if I keep this going more than 15 minutes, the, the air will go dead <laughs> as these two guys disappear. Um, so I'm beginning to look at a, a wind down now. What about um, do you think this argument would be, or discussion or whatever, would be totally mute if if the Mac App Store was more like the iOS app store in the fact that um, it's still actually only a very small number of Mac users who buy software at all. And if the overall number of Mac users could be encouraged through Apple promoting things into actually understanding there is software to buy and to use and the percentage of Mac users increase, then, then, then that would make more sales for everybody and none of this would be a problem. I think there are a couple of factors that that sort of play into this. Um, one thing is that uh, if you have really, you know, that that works if you have a completely growing and always growing market that um, that you can sell to. You can continue to sell, you know, your one copy. You might never have to charge for an upgrade ever, right? That you can continue to sell your version of the software. You get. New people coming in all the time, buying it, and um, and you have a reasonable revenue stream to uh, to make a living on. You know, we're not um, the uh, the down. The problem comes if you are particularly in a more vertical sort of a market space, where let's say you're developing CAD software and it is great CAD software, and everybody who is really in that field has purchased your CAD software. Well, then at that point, you either have to go on to make a, a different app, or you have to make a new version of the app that they're willing to pay for. Uh, if you if you want to be able to continue to make money, uh, otherwise you've just completely dried up your market. So it depends on on how saturated your market is. I think as to whether uh, whether that's sustainable. Um, one quick note on the the throwaway apps question I, I, uh, and pricing. I, I would point out that um, people were upset actually even by the first Twitterific paid upgrade. Uh, you know, for, this is a an app that costs what was it, $5 at the time or even less? Uh, and people were upset that they had to pay another 3 to $5. Um, and the, the biggest part of that upset was not necessarily that they lost customers over the, the thing. I don't, know, I don't know how that went, but they, they certainly had a lot of people just upset. And, and if customers, uh, the customer experience matters to, people, to you, then you really don't want to make your customers upset. It just leaves a bad taste in their mouths. I think I think customers always get upset. It doesn't matter what you do; you're going to insult someone. But um, <laughs> there was one question I had actually for Ken. Uh, see if I can remember it this time. Um, yeah, what 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 exactly um, makes you think you're going to earn less money by charging full price on, say, OmniFocus? Say say you released OmniFocus at full price. Uh, what is it, seventy nine dollars or whatever it is. Um, and just said, okay, everyone has to pay that. It seems like you 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 have a perception that you'll make less money that way 
than if you have upgrade pricing. Whereas for me, for me, uh, it seems you, you might you may sell less upgrades, but I imagine you would you would still um, make a lot of money that way. Oh, to be clear, I I don't actually necessarily think that we'll make less money. I, if if the uh, value proposition were further apart, be, um, you know, if the the value from one version to another is not very high, then then I think you run that risk, and that's that's where my you know thousand dollar examples came in. But for something like OmniFocus, where it's eighty dollars, I think a lot of people, particularly after uh, five years, are are probably willing to just go ahead and say, well, you know what, the app store is worth worth $40 to me, I'm, I'm happy to just stay in the app store and, and buy another copy there. Or maybe this is their first chance in the app store since they bought the other copy from us directly before the app store existed. Um, so I think, and, and we very well may make more money. That's, that's why that is sort of not the primary concern for me. It's more the customer experience of, are most of our customers able to be on the latest version of the software, not running you know, a three-year-old version of the software? Uh, you know, that's even a question when you have upgrade pricing. You know, what, um, how many people just choose not to bother to upgrade to the latest version? We still get crash reports from people trying to run OmniGraffle 2 on their Intel processors. Uh, when, you know, OmniGraffle 3 actually shipped on Intel processors. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's nutty. Um, so we would like to provide the best customer experience possible. And part of that is preserving their investment um, However, large or small, you know, it's it's more a perception thing for them than it is a profit thing for us. Okay, um, we're coming towards the end now, so I'm going to give you um, just a, a moment to have a quick think about a, a final closing statement. Um, the reality is, coming into this discussion, I wasn't sure on which side of the fence I sat, and coming out of this discussion, I'm not sure on which side <laughs> of the fence I sit either. And I guess that's going to be the case for anyone. And I guess it's got to a uh, People have to add it up um, for themselves and uh, uh, and work it out. The reality is the one that Drew is proposing is the one that we currently have and have to live with, um, unless you start doing all sorts of jiggery-pokery, as, as, as you guys at Omni have uh, been trying, and even that's not worked as the way you were hoping it to. So, um, okay, let, let's actually... I'm not going to give you a closing statement. I'm going to ask you for your prediction of where this is going. Ken, do you think... Uh, Ken first, do you think that there's going to be anything changed about the App Store in the near future that's going to change the way this is, or do you think this is now it for now until you know the foreseeable future? I think everything Apple has signaled to date says that this is it for <laughs> through the foreseeable future, but uh, hope springs eternal. So I'm still happy to keep you know talking with them about this issue, you know, as I have since. Uh, early 2008 before the App Store even launched when as soon as we sort of saw this coming um, we asked them about App Store pricing and I said oh you know what nobody else has asked us about that yet it's not really on our radar you know let's talk about that later when it matters okay um, I still hope that uh, that they will see the value but I I don't know that I would say that I predict that they will uh, think that that's worthwhile and it just may not play into their model they may decide that you know this value of having lower price software on their platform, you know, increasing the value of their platform is, uh, is worth the downsides. True. So it's kind of, an yeah, I mean, I, I guess I agree with Ken mostly. Um, for me, I think what Apple will not give up and then I'll defend it with their, with their, uh, every being is, is this idea that you, um, you know, that you buy something and you keep it. And, um, and you own it forever. And I, I don't think they will want to dilute that with anything. Um, you know, they have got subscriptions and things like that, but that is for something that re reoccurs, that comes back. And so I think if it's something like an app or a piece of music, you know, you buy it, it's yours, you keep it. And that, that they won't easily give that up. Um, and I, so, I, yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to say that that, that simplicity, that, that understanding between Apple and their customers is actually more important then the flexibility that you know we as developers, you know, I mean, nothing would nothing would make it my life easier than if I could just say, okay, I'll, I'll charge an upgrade price for me as a developer. But that may not be the best thing in the long run. The best thing in the long run would be if the Mac App Store is a, a thriving success that would help all developers. And the way to achieve that, of course, is is you know to do what Apple's done in the past and they've done really well and that is to engage customers and, and, and have customers trust them and, and just keep buying things. So, so for me, that, that overrides the whole 
flexibility aspects that, that I would prefer as a developer, but but um, actually as a customer, it's, it's maybe not the best. Okay, so we have about two minutes left. So um, just very quickly, Ken, if you have a closing statement, we would like to make the closing statement and then um, just tell people where they can follow you on Twitter or a blog, tell them where they can find the Omni Group stuff so that uh, people can hum and hunt you down. <laughs> sure. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at K Case, my first initial and last name. Uh, so that's uh, simple enough. Uh, feel free, uh, you know, I'd love any any comments from people about that. And I guess we will we'll sort of see how this plays out. We're about to launch a round of you know paid upgrades for the first time into into the app store, both the iOS app stores and the Mac app store. And we'll kind of see how how our customer base reacts when they uh, realize that they're no longer able to preserve their investment in their old software that, you know, uh, the software that they purchased before they, they can no longer, um, get updates to or patches to, or, um, uh, anything else unless they buy a new version at full price. Thank you, Ken. Drew. Uh, yeah, my Twitter handle is just my name, Drew McCormack, full, uh, fully written out. Um, yeah, you can find my product, uh, Mental Case, at mentalcaseapp.com. And uh, my company is Mental Faculty. There's, there's a, I've got a blog that I very occasionally write on that's uh, at Tumblr, mentalfaculty.tumblr.com. And you feel you've said enough. There was no closing statement. Oh, I thought I, well, I thought I kind of said that already. I, yeah. yeah, for me, for me um, I think the, the benefit of having a simple Mac app store outweighs, um, you know, these other considerations. And, yeah, you're going to get some hate, um, but you're going to get that anyway. Even even with paid with a paid upgrade, uh, a cheaper paid upgrade, you uh, can guarantee that there will be people really annoyed. And um, as developers, we know that, and uh, you just have to live with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, gentlemen. I think you've been incredibly polite to one another and respectful. Um, we'd appreciate that. Um, of course, we are now about two minutes away from the Apple event uh, where they're probably going to announce uh, an app store with full upgrades and um, and all sorts of things. And this would have been a totally wasted hour we've spent online as <laughs> we do it again some other time. But uh, if you're listening to this, I guess that didn't happen. Uh, my name is Scotty. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, MacDevNet and on ADN is Scotty. Um, check out what we're doing at iDeveloper.co. Drew, Ken, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Hopefully this has been useful to a few people. I found it interesting, even though I'm still undecided what I think. But um, maybe a few people out there now have a clearer idea of the argument. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Scotty. And thank you, Drew, for taking the time. Yeah, thanks, Ken. Thanks, Scotty. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And until next time, you all take care. Thank you.